Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. Well, I just want to welcome you to this series titled Give Thanks with a Grateful Heart. Uh, and I realize that Thanksgiving is actually a few weeks um, away, right? But, but, uh, but the reason why we're, we're in this series is because the idea of gratitude and expressing that gratitude through giving thanks, especially for those who are Christ followers, is really a vitally important idea. Because, because the reality is that you and I, we have, a very, we have a lot to be thankful for. We have so very much to be thankful for. Especially, as I said, if you are a believer uh, or a follower of Christ, you have, have quite a bit to be thankful for. And, and let me just tell you, to the degree that you... You daily live in gratitude and practice thanksgiving to God to the degree that you have a grateful heart tells a lot, tells the world a lot about who you are. Your gratitude or lack of gratitude tells us a lot about who you are as a person and as a follower of God. In fact, the level of gratitude in your life says a lot about who you are and the condition that your heart is in. I bet you didn't realize that. Okay, but it does. And it does in three basic ways. Number one. And it says a lot about what I like to call your spiritual temperature. It says a lot about the condition of your spiritual life because those who have a vibrant, healthy spiritual life tend to be people who are grateful toward God. Okay? And, and those who don't have a healthy spiritual life tend to be people who are not so grateful. And we're going to talk more about that this morning. But your gratitude says a lot about your spiritual temperature. Number two, the second thing it says about your heart is your, your level of gratitude in your life will actually directly impact your tendency to either stand firm in self-control or to fall into sin. Because those who tend to be grateful to God tend to find strength in Him when they need it from Him to resist temptation and sin. When those who are not so grateful and who are not grateful to God tend to be more prone to be led away into temptation. And we're going to talk about that next week. And then the third thing uh, with your attitude of gratitude, what it says about you is that, is, is that it really tells the world a lot about the kind of life that is in you. I mean, people who tend to be grateful towards God tend to be filled with light and they tend to be life-giving, whereas people who are ungrateful tend to be, to be dark and life-consuming. They tend to be negative and unforgiving and even demanding. And I think we all kind of know that because we know people like that on both ends of the spectrum. We know people who are grateful and people who are ungrateful. And so we're going to talk more about that in, in two weeks, um, and, and we're going to look at how that works. But uh, suffice it to say, your level of gratitude that you maintain in your heart towards God pretty much accurately is a predictor of the quality of your spiritual life. It's a good predictor of, of your ability to re- resist temptation, and it certainly speaks to your ability to bring light and life to your family and your relationships and the people Around you, and, and, and what I know, I think I know anyway about you is this: If I were to ask you what what, you, what do you want your life to be like, you would say that I would want a vibrant spiritual life, and, and you would say that I would want the strength to fight off temptation, and you would say I would want to be somebody who brings life to my family and my relationships. Right? That's what you would say, and, and that was what you would want. Which means gratitude actually is is an important part of your life, whether you understand it or not, whether you know it or not. Your gratitude towards God. Is, is important to you. Gratitude's a big deal. 
And it's especially a big deal in the life of those who call themselves Christians because we, of all people, have so much, so much to be grateful for. That is why we're going to take the next three weeks and we're going to talk about that. We're going to spend the next three weeks talking about you know, gratitude and leading up to Thanksgiving with this discussion. We're going to look at why gratitude is so important in our lives and how we need to foster that in our lives because we all, I think, could use a little more gratitude. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about your spiritual temperature. And again, what I mean by spiritual temperature, what I'm talking about is your spiritual health. Do you have a healthy, vibrant, robust, life-giving spirit life, right? I mean, I mean, how, how, how is your walk with God? Like, this is self-analysis time, all right? How is your walk with God? Is it close? All right, do you find strength in him? Do you feel that, that, that life-giving presence that he brings when he's near? Do you feel that deep-rooted sense of joy in your heart, regardless of how things are in your life? What is your spiritual temperature, so to speak? Okay, that's what we're going to talk about today. And a good way to gauge your spiritual temperature is to look at, how look at your heart and see what your gratitude level is like. I mean... Think about this. Do you wake up in the morning saying, thank you, Lord, for another beautiful day? Do you thank God for allowing you to wake up and allowing your, your children and your family to wake up alongside of you? Do you, you wake up and find yourself that you're, you're ready to thank God for every little thing that happens in your day? Are you just someone who thanks God a little less frequently, right? I mean, you do thank him, but not quite so often. You remember to thank God, but it's, it's usually for the big stuff, right? Like, whew, we found out it's not cancer. Praise the Lord, right? Uh, you know, I found my wallet before I had to call the credit card company. Thank you, God, right? right? I got that job that I was hoping for. You know, thank you, right? My kids made it home safe from their trip. You know, thank you, Lord. Maybe you're someone who does remember to thank God, but it's not so often. You're grateful, right? But the degrees and expressions about it are, are, are usually about bigger things in your life. You don't normally, you know, thank God on a regular basis, right? And maybe you're someone who believes in God and you love him and, you know, and, 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 and you feel committed to him. But you never really, like, ever feel gratitude. You never, never thank him. You never stop to say, thank you, Lord. I mean, you might pray habitual prayers like so many of us do where you just kind of like go, Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for the family. You know what I mean? You just kind of like, you know, do it by rote. But, but you never really actually stop and think about, you know, what you have to be thankful for and actually take the time to get alone with God and just, you know, praise him and express to him. Thank you, Lord, for my family. Thank you for what you've given me. Thank you for, for the way you provide for me. Thank you for saving me. Maybe you're someone who doesn't actually think about it or express it. Right. So 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 where do you fall on that spectrum? Are you someone who daily is walks in gratitude or just not so much? What is your spiritual temperature? Do you have a vibrant, robust peace and joy giving faith? Or are you just simply just kind of living life, going through the motions, you know, just kind of doing your own thing? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now that your level of gratitude is a direct reflection of that spiritual temperature. And the reason why it's a good indicator of your spiritual temperature is because, because your gratitude level tells us three important things about your walk with God. It tells us three important things about the way that you are connected to God. And the first thing it tells us is it tells us who your heart belongs to. So what it tells us, it tells us who your heart belongs to. Your gratitude level, believe it or not, is a good indication of where your heart actually is. You see, your heart can only belong to one or two people. Okay. 
It belongs to God or it belongs to you. Now, you might say, well, wait a minute. Well, you know, especially with your wife sitting there going, well, my heart belongs to someone else, you know. And, and that's great. But the reality is, is your heart still belongs to you. All right. I mean, you're, you know, you might feel affection for, for them and, 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 and deep devotion, but ultimately still about you. Right. Your affections are still about you. So either your heart belongs to you or it belongs to God. There's no in between. There's no other else. Either you live for yourself or you live for God. And if you're someone who continually is grateful to God, then more than likely your heart's focused on God. But if you're, but if you're not so grateful, it's probably because your heart's focused on you and the desires that you have and your wants and, and the things that, that, that you are focused on. You either focus on God or you focus on yourself, but you cannot do both, which is exactly what Jesus was communicating in, in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. He says, for where your treasure is, okay, what it is you value, there your heart will be also. Now, in this context, we know that Jesus is talking about money. And he said, he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is saying... You know, don't store up material possessions here on earth, but instead invest in what you, what you have, your time, your talent, your resources, into things that have eternal, lasting significance. Invest in people, invest in the gospel, invest in the work of the church. And what he says is, is what you invest in, what you, what you invest in is what's going to be important to you. What you spend your time at, your money, your energy will be important to you. you, where, you where your treasure is, is where your heart's going to be. And, and, and you can determine what's important to you by what you value and what you invest in. And here's the point, okay? If a person values his relationship with God and he values what God has done for him and he values the gospel and, and the word of God, he's going to be focused on God. His heart, his mind, his time, his energy and resources will be focused on God and toward God. But, but, and, and as a person focuses on God and toward God, the natural response of that focus is going to be gratitude. The author of Psalms says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. God is what is good, right? And, and his love for us, in spite of us, has no end. That naturally inspires gratitude. James, the brother of Jesus, says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Everything that is good in your life comes from God. It is a gift from God that, again, that naturally inspires gratitude. The Apostle Paul reminds us, And we know that for those who love God, all things... Work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God works all things for good for those who love him. And again, again, that's a cause for gratitude. When a person has his or her heart and mind fixed on God, the natural outcome should be gratitude towards God in everything that he does. The natural outcome should be a life of giving thanks to God. But on the other hand, when a person's heart and mind is focused... Away from God. When the focus moves to, to self, right? That's when things change because, because, because it's what we do, right? And when we're not focused on God, we're focused right here. We're focused on our wants, our desires, our needs, our appetites, our ambitions. We get focused on ourselves. And that focus tends to lead toward ingratitude because the more we pursue things that are not of God, I want you to hear me on this. The more we pursue things that are not of God, the less those things satisfy us. 
When we pursue things that are not of God, they don't satisfy us. They don't bring internal peace. They don't bring internal joy. They might bring, you know, momentary pleasure. They might bring momentary happiness, but they don't bring lasting peace and joy. They simply don't bring the satisfaction to our soul that our hearts require. You understand that? That's why people who don't put God first in their lives, they're never, ever satisfied. They're never content because they're everything in the world they're chasing after. And it doesn't have that ability to fill the God-shaped hole in our hearts. And because of that, we tend to pursue more and more and more things. And the more we pursue, the less satisfaction we get. And we see it all the time. How much money is enough? I don't know, a little bit more? How how much pleasure is enough? How much popularity is enough? How much power is enough? How much stuff is enough? We pursue more and more stuff in order to satisfy our hearts, but it doesn't work. And we progressively become more and more ungrateful because who is going to be grateful for something that doesn't actually bring satisfaction? You go to the cupboard and you're starving and the cupboard's empty. Are you grateful for that? No. Okay, you, you find a water bottle in the middle of the desert as you're dying of thirst. It has a drop of water in that. Are you grateful for that? No. We're not going to be grateful for the things that don't satisfy. We're, we're going to end up ungrateful when we pursue our self. When we're pursuing self in the things of this world, it leads to emptiness and ingratitude. But on the other hand, when pursuing God, that leads to fulfillment and joy and peace that leads to gratitude. That's why your level of gratitude in your life really reflects where your heart is. When you find yourself bitter and frustrated and and, and angry all the time, that's a pretty good sign of ingratitude. It's a sign that you're focused on other things besides God, seriously, how many people do you know who have a grateful heart towards God remain in a constant state of irritation? They, you just don't find them. They simply won't, don't, don't exist. Even I mean, they may have bad days, right? They might even have tough times in their lives, but there's still an underlying peace and joy that comes from Christ. People who are focused on God's goodness are grateful and they tend to be peaceful and joyous and content. And they tend to be uplifting to other people. That's just a simple truth. Your gratitude or ingratitude is a measure of where your heart actually is. It's, it's, is it you know, toward God or is it towards yourself? Number two, your gratitude level is going to tell you about your devotional life and what that's like. Okay? Your gratitude level toward God is usually directly correlated to your devotional life. Because the truth is simply this. The more time you spend with God... The more time that you spend in his presence, the more you're likely to be grateful to him. The more time you spend with God in his word, in prayer, worshiping him, the more you will see how God is good to you and the more grateful your heart typically will become. Paul tells us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. When you are connected to God with his word, when his word dwells in you richly something inside of you changes you experience true joy and peace and contentment when you spend time with god you're reminded over and over and over again what he's done for you you're reminded how he provides for you you're reminded that every breath that you take is a gift from him you're reminded that god loves you in spite of you paul tells us in romans 5 8 that god shows his love for us and that while we are still sinners christ died for us god sent his son to die for us so that we even before we could do anything at all for him 
When we, we read and we study the word, you know, we're reminded that Christ brings peace to our life. Jesus said in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. When you spend time with God, you are reminded of his peace and you're reminded he's going to take care of you. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, therefore, I will tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body nor what you will put on is not life more than food and the and the body more than clothing look at the birds of the air they neither sow nor reap nor nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them and are you not of more value than they and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to your to his span of life and why are you anxious about your clothing consider the lilies of the field and how they grow they neither toil or spin yet i tell you even solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these but if god so clothed the grass of the field and today which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven will he not much more clothe you oh you of little faith therefore do not be anxious saying what shall we eat what shall we drink what shall we wear for the gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all but seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You see, when you spend time with God on a regular basis and in his promises and in his word and his prayer and in worship, the natural byproduct of that time with God is gratitude. You're going to be mindful of what God has done for you. You're going to be mindful of what God is currently doing for you. And that knowledge inspires gratitude. But on the other hand... If you find yourself frustrated and irritated and it seems like nothing is going your way and you feel like everybody's against you and it seems like everyone else is, is getting all the breaks and you're dissatisfied with every part of your life, chances are, I would, I would, if I was a betting man, I would bet that, that you have an ungrateful heart. Chances are that, that you're someone who isn't spending regular quality time with God in his word, in prayer, and in worship because your level of gratitude is directly related to how much time you spend with God. It's really, really quite simple. You can't spend time in the presence of God on a regular basis without it changing you. And anyone who spends time with God knows that to be the truth. And so if, if you are, are grateful, you're probably spending time with God on a regular basis. And if you're grateful sometimes, right, when, when, you, when you think about it, about the big things, and you're probably spending some time, but probably less frequently. And if you're someone who is ungrateful, you're probably spending hardly no regular time with God. And I'm not talking about being here at church. I'm talking about your own time. Because your level of gratitude is a good measure of your devotional life. And then finally, the third thing that, that your level of gratitude in your life towards God that tells us about you is how important the gospel is to you. And, and, um, and, and some of you might protest this, but I, I want you to think about this, okay? It doesn't matter what happens in your life, okay? It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you are healthy or if you're constantly sick. It doesn't matter if you're popular or you're despised by other people. It doesn't matter if you're beautiful or ugly. It doesn't even matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat, okay? It doesn't matter if you're married or single or, or if you have kids or no kids. It doesn't matter if you had a terrific childhood or if you had a horrible childhood. It doesn't matter if, you, if your team won the World Series. It doesn't matter what kind of music you like. It doesn't matter what country you were born in. It doesn't matter what language you speak. 
or, or, or what, who your ancestors were. Okay? It doesn't matter about any of these things because the truth is simply this. You and me and every person who has ever lived and whoever will live, we all face the exact same catastrophic problem. We face a gigantic problem that is bigger than anything in this life. And the problem is simply this. We were all born broken sinners. And Paul painfully reminds us of that. He says, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All, all have turned aside. Together, they have all become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all, every one of us. If you haven't come to terms with this, I hate to burst your bubble. Okay. We are all, every one of us, broken sinners. We are not good people who occasionally do bad things. We are all bad people who occasionally do good things. And because we are sinners, we are in big trouble. Because Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. What we deserve for our sin and our brokenness is the physical and spiritual death that comes with that. And we deserve to be separated from God. And we deserve to go to hell. And if you don't think hell is a real place... Paul reminds us that on the account of these, our sins, the wrath of God is coming. All right? And I want you to hear me. The wrath of God is coming. Now, I I don't know if you've ever really thought about this. I don't know if you've ever taken the time to think about the wrath of God, what that must be like. I mean, I've witnessed the wrath of men before. I've seen what people are capable of in their anger when it boils over into wrath. I've seen it, and I'm sure you've seen it too. And I think that every kid who has ever lived... A day in their life has seen at least one time the wrath of mom. Okay. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Every one of us know what we're talking about. Cause mom's like patiently trying to get the kids to clean up after themselves and no one's listening. Right. Right. And mom's frustration level begins to grow and the kids are running around screaming while mom is trying to talk on the phone or trying to take 10 minutes out to watch a show or something like that. And the, and the kids are just, you know, just driving her crazy. And they're saying what? Like 50 million times, making her repeat everything that she has to say. And her frustration level continues to grow. Right. And then mom's doing laundry and she's putting away dishes and she's trying to get, figure out what's for dinner. And the kids are like, mom, he's touching me. Mom, I'm thirsty. Mom, I need your help with this common core math. Mom, she just spilled soda all over the couch. Mom, mom, mom. Mom, mom, mom. And that frustration level continues to grow, right? And then dad walks in, all right? And then he puts his stuff on the dining room table when he's not supposed to. And then he leaves a trail of clothes and stuff and shoes behind as he goes to make his way oblivious to his room to change his clothes. And mom's frustration is now at a full boil and she is about to pop. And to make it worse is everyone sees that mom is fuming. Everybody sees that she's about to boil over. They see the red light blinking, warning, warning, warning in her eyes, right? And then they know what's coming. And then somebody, right? Somebody has to say something or do something that pushes over the edge. Maybe she just asked one of the kids to take out the trash. And they go, oh, I always have to take out the trash. And then this happens, right? <laughs> right? Mom goes off. Like, and everybody's surprised, right? And, and her head explodes. She's screaming. She's whooping rear ends, right? And, and, and everybody's running for their lives, including dad, right? Because everybody is afraid. The world has just come to an end. Everybody, everybody's afraid of the wrath of mom because everybody knows if you get in the way of that, right? You just might not make it out alive, okay? So, so if, if, if we laugh about that, but we're, if we're afraid of the wrath of mom and we're afraid of the wrath of people, what about the wrath of God. I I mean, think about this. He is the creator of all things. 
By his word, all things are spoken into existence. He's the most powerful being to ever exist. Your life is always in his hands. And think about it. When Old Testament people sometimes would, would irritate him or make him mad or angry, you know, he would just, he would just kill them, right? Like the sons of Abraham in Leviticus chapter 10, right? We're told that Nadab and Abihu, I mean, those names are terrible, but um, uh, the sons of Aaron each took, you know, a censer, and put fire in it and laid incense on it and then offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. They did something they were not supposed to do, which he had not commanded them. And the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them. And they died before the Lord. God just killed them. All right, this is just, a, just because he, he was angry with them. And these are just two people, right? And they, did, they made one mistake. Okay, what, what about God's wrath after billions and billions of people? have disobeyed him and blasphemed him and done horrible things, you know, to each other. And they spit on the sacrifice of his beloved son and they go from bad to worse. And they've been doing these things for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. What happens? What happens when, when finally God is just done and he unleashes his wrath upon the world? What does that look like? Well, my friends, I'm going to tell you the truth. That's exactly what's coming. The wrath of God is coming. And when it comes... No one is going to be able to stand. And guess what? Right? That's what we deserve because of our sin. We deserve the wrath of God. That's the tragic problem that we all universally face. And to make it worse is we can't escape it. We can't make it right on our own. The Bible tells us we have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds, all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. We are incapable of saving ourselves. We can't do enough good stuff to overcome the wickedness of our hearts. Which means you're hopeless and helpless. We are all objects of wrath of, of a God because of our sin. And, and nothing, we have nothing to look forward to except his judgment and his wrath beyond this life. That's what the problem that we all face is. It's bleak. It's a bleak outlook. But then... God so loved the world that he did what in love people do. He gave. And he gave what was most precious to him. He gave his only son who in turn gave his own life because of that love. So that whoever believes in him, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you have done, no matter who you are, whoever believes in him should not perish, should not face the wrath of God, should not go to hell, should not die spiritually, but have instead, have present tense in this moment, have eternal life. God in his grace and mercy made a way for us to overcome the greatest problem we'll ever face. God sent his own son to die on our behalf so we could be set free. And on top of that, on top of that, he gives us the greatest gift we could ever receive, eternal life. Paul says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God spares us his judgment and the wrath to come. And then he turns and he gives us the free gift of eternal life that we, that, that we did nothing to earn, that we did nothing to merit. We don't deserve it. I don't know about you, but that's all the reason I need to be grateful to God every single day. Right? I think God, I think about this every day. God had mercy on the likes of me. And that still blows my mind when I think about it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have saved me. Understand that. I wouldn't have saved someone like me. Right? And, 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 and let me be honest. All right? I wouldn't sacrifice my son either. 
I mean, I love you guys. You know I love you. But I'm telling you, I wouldn't sacrifice any of my sons or my daughters for you. Right? But God did that for me. And he did it for you. That's all the reason I need to be grateful. That's all the reason I need to walk in gratitude every day. Because the truth is, it doesn't matter how the rest of my life goes. It doesn't matter if my life is filled with happiness and fun times or pain and sorrow or loss. It doesn't matter because all of this life, every bit of it one day will be over. And then I will stand in the presence of God and he will say, welcome home, my son. Okay? And, and I will live in his holy presence forever with those who have trusted Christ before me. And, and, and all of my tears and all of my pain and all my worries and sorrows will, will forever be gone. And so regardless of what life hands me or how bad my days might be, I have all the reason I ever need to be grateful. I have all the reasons I need to live in gratitude towards God. And, and then in addition to that, okay, that's like like... Everything's icing after this, right? In addition to that, he wakes me up every morning and he allows me to live in a free country and I have a wonderful family and I have plenty of food to eat and water to drink and high-speed internet, right? Right? I mean, let me tell you, God has been good to me and he's been good to all of you, okay? And, and, And I will boldly tell you, if you're someone who lives a life of gratitude towards God, right? if you do not live a life of gratitude towards God, if you do not regularly thank God for salvation, then you either do not really value the gospel or you didn't understand the problem in the first place. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have bad days because we all have them. I'm not saying that you can't have hard times because we all have them. I'm not saying that that you can't be upset and get deeply frustrated because we all get there. What I'm saying is that if you actually understand the gospel, right, and the gospel is even remotely important to you, you will still be grateful even in the hard times. In fact, I have a, a very short story that I want to share with you that exemplifies exactly what we're talking about here this morning. It was so cold during the night. He will suffer hypothermia. So hot during the day that his skin would burn to the edge of the container. The bugs that bite you felt like fire all over your body. But like driving a nail into wood, every hit, every beating, every blow to my body drew me closer to God. These are some of the notes I took when I had a chance to spend a few days with a lady called Helen Bahani. What you don't understand or what you don't get when you first meet Helen is her past. You see, Helen spent two and a half years locked inside a metal shipping container for refusing to recant her faith. And not only that, she taught me one of the most profound spiritual lessons of my life. She taught me about thankfulness. If you were to wake up tomorrow with only the things you thank God for today, what would you have? In Helen's case, every day for two and a half years, she woke up on the floor of a jagged metal shipping container inside a prison where she was beaten and tortured regularly. But one of the most incredible stories for me is her response to a beating that very nearly took her life. You see, Helen had been 
writing notes of encouragement and sending them to fellow prisoners, putting scriptures on them that she could memorize. And the guards came to her and they said, Helen, where is your Bible? And she said, I don't have one. And they said, is it in your head? She said, yeah, it's in my head. And they said, well, we're going to have to beat it out of you. They proceeded to grab Helen and, and, and they dragged her to a courtyard, placed her in the middle and started to beat her with wooden battens. What she does next has single-handedly changed my Christian walk forever. You see, in the middle of this beating, Helen stops and looks at the guy hitting her and says to him, I do not hate you, for you were just carrying out an order. But you need to know that I'm carrying out an order too. And that's not to renounce Jesus. So carry on. Carry on? I mean, when they were finished beating her, they simply threw her body back into the metal shipping container. And as she lay on the floor in the container, she began to sing the following. Thank you for the cold nights. Thank you for the hot days. Thank you for the hunger, for the sickness. Thank you for the bugs that bite my body. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thankfulness. Have you ever stopped for a minute to think about what role it plays in your life? I mean, what role thankfulness plays in your everyday? If you're like me, it's probably not much. You see, I ask God for a lot. But in comparison, I thank him for very little. The more I think about people like Helen Bahani and the persecuted church, the more it begins to dawn on me that it's actually reversed. You see, they thank God for almost everything. And in comparison, they ask him for very little. And this is because they're not following an institution called Christianity. They're following a living God. We're following a living God who walked the earth and who today walks the earth through his spirit. Our gratitude, our thankfulness, and the level by which we measure it should not be based on a set of rules or expectations and buzzwords, I guess, created by this Christian pop culture. It should be defined by Jesus Christ who walked with broken people, loved the unlovable, stood in the face of religion, led with a character and set of principles that he would not compromise for anyone or any deal. Didn't seem to care about things like brand, fashion label, return on investment, number of friends on Facebook or followers on Instagram. And didn't mind looking awkward if saying no meant the right outcome was achieved. And on top of all that, loved a dying and broken world with a passion that could not be filled, stopped, watered down or contained. Jesus Christ, the Saviour of the world, who ultimately laid down his life so that a sinful, broken and dislocated group of people could have eternal life with him. And for that, I'm forever thankful. If you were to wake up tomorrow with only the things you thank God for today, what would you have?
if you were to wake up tomorrow with the only, only the things that you thank God for today, what would you have? It's a sobering question. Our gratitude or lack of gratitude really says a lot about who we are in our walk with God. So what does it say about you? What does it say about your walk with God? You see, the whole purpose of this series over the next few weeks is to really help you to see the importance that gratitude and, and the role that it plays in, in, in our life as Christ followers. And, and what we learned today, you know, is that gratitude, you know, it acts like a spiritual thermometer. It helps us to assess really our spiritual health. Okay. And it does so in three ways. It tells us about, about who our heart really belongs to. It, it tells us about the quality of our devotional life. Right. And, and then it tells us about how important the gospel is to us. And, 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 and based on this, then what is your gratitude level toward God? What does it say about you? Are you spiritually healthy or not so much? How about your devotional life? Right. Where's your heart? Is it with God or with you? Right. Are you spending regular time with God in prayer and his word and, in, you know, in worship? Or is it kind of like hit and miss? Right? How important is the gospel to you to wake up every day thanking God for his love and his mercy? Do you think to yourself regularly how amazing God is to show mercy on someone like you? Or do you just, is it kind of like an afterthought in your life? Right? How is your spiritual health? Well, here, here's, here's what I want you to do this week. Um, in, in fact, there are two things I want you to do. Number one, what I want you to do is I, I want you to think about these three areas, these, th- these three things, and ask yourself... Where can I start to grow toward gratitude? I mean, is, is, is your heart focused on God? Or, is it, or is, is, is it about your devotional time, right? Is it, is it thinking about the gospel and it being important to you? Which of these areas do you really kind of need to work on in your life? Now, my suggestion would probably be the devotional time because I think that influences everything else. The more time you spend with God, I think it helps to take care of the other two. But, but pick one of these areas where you think that you need to grow and then pray that God would help you and show you how to grow in that area. And the second thing I want you to do is I want to actually just take some time just a little bit of time every day, all right? And this is a long-term project, okay? And, and, and this is something I want you to do every day. Just take a moment. It doesn't have to take very long, but just take a moment and think about something that you're grateful to God for and then write it down, okay? Just start creating a list. And you don't have to do multiple things, just, just one thing. And it can be anything. It could be, you know, that you're thankful to God for your family or your work or your, you know, um, or your salvation or the fact that your car started or the food that you have to eat or that you have such good friends or you have such an amazing pastor. I mean, it could be anything. All right. But but the point is, what I want you to do is I want you to think about something that you can be grateful for and then write that down and then take a moment and pray to God and just say thank you. Like just, just get eyeball to eyeball, face to face with God. Just close, just, just whatever you do, if it's in your closet, your room or your office, wherever, and just, just pour out your heart and thank him for that. It's really, really simple. All right. This is not a big thing. Now, here's the thing. Instead of, you know, us doing this until Thanksgiving, like most challenges for gratitude, um, I want to do this all the way to Christmas. Okay, I'm going to ask you guys to do this all the way to Christmas with us because it's really where the birth of our, you know, thankfulness you know, and our hope is anyway. And so number one, pick one of the areas in, in your life and pray that God would help you grow. Number two, write down the reason every day between now and Christmas 
why you are thankful to God and then spend some time thanking God. And, and, and if you decide to, to post any of that on, you know, on social media, then just, you know, for us to kind of keep track of it, you know, together is just use the hashtag project gratitude. And, and, and hopefully you'll begin to inspire other people to do the same thing, to walk in daily gratitude with God. Let me pray for you. Lord God, it doesn't take me very long to look in the mirror and realize who you saved. And it reminds me every day I have a lot to be grateful for. And when I get to the point in my life where I am not grateful, I pray that you would remind me, that you would humble me. When I begin to get irritated with people and start to get frustrated, if you just take the time to remind me of what you've done, I have clothes to wear. That, that I have as little money as I make. I make more money than over 99% of the people in the world, as most of everybody else here. I have plenty of food to eat. I have good friends. I have fellow laborers in the gospel. I have beautiful kids. I have a son that serves in the army. I have a beautiful wife who puts up with me. I have, I have more than I, I need I have so many wonderful people in my life and I just, I have everything to be grateful for. And I pray that I, my heart would stay there and I pray that all of our hearts would stay there. And that you'd use that to temper how we then approach the world and approach other people. And as we begin to get frustrated with the way things are, that we remember how good you are and then use that to let the light of Christ shine in this world. And I pray, Father, that you'd use this as a tool to change and transform our hearts to you. And I pray that these next few weeks would be all of us together growing in our gratitude. I love you, Lord. I praise you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. And please consider partnering with us financially as we share the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ with our community and with the world.